On January 18, 2021, the director of the U.S. Census resigned over the controversy of counting undocumented immigrants. Did you know that a similar controversy almost caused a constitutional crisis in the 1920s, a century ago? Hey there, news peelers. Today's Friday, January 29, 2021, and this is Adele with the Peel.News. I hope you will enjoy this podcast, and if you do, please consider sponsoring the show for a small monthly amount, which can be canceled anytime. Start your sponsorship by clicking the support link right here in the description for this episode, or Click the support link in our podcast profile. Once a week, we select a news item and peel the history behind it. And oh boy, sometimes history gives us a good laugh. Sometimes it offends. And sometimes it just, it just shocks. Like, did that really happen? I'm telling you, you can't make up some of these stuff that happened in our past. So grab a cup of coffee, or your favorite drink, or both, and let's get into it. On Monday, January 18th, Census Director Steve Dillingham resigned effective January 20th, which was, coincidentally, Mr. Biden's inauguration day. Dillingham resigned a full year before his term was over. (laughs) You may be wondering why I'm peeling the history behind this news. A director of some bureau in the vast federal bureaucracy resigning. How does this even compare to the magnitude of the previous news items that we've peeled? Such as the inauguration, insurrection, impeachment, and now a second impeachment. Your point is well taken. I get you. Mr. Dillingham's resignation is not exactly sizzling news. But what if I told you that he resigned over the political controversy of counting illegal immigrants in the census? And what if I told you that his resignation was the culmination of a months-long clash between Mr. Trump's administration and the Census Bureau over the very same issue? the counting of undocumented immigrants. This clash went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court essentially said, no thank you, we don't want to get involved, at least not just yet. So why all the clash and controversy over counting how many Americans there are? Because the control of the Congress depends on it. The control of the White House depends on it. Stay with me as I peel the history behind this news. The decennial census, the counting of how many Americans there are, and the reapportionment, which means redistribution, 
of each state's representatives to the U.S. Congress that is based on the data from the census are constitutional mandates. In the Peel.News website, we touch on the relevant history of census in the British Parliament and how the effects of that British history made its way into the Declaration of Independence, then into our Constitution, and later into one of the amendments that came after the Civil War. But what's most pertinent to this Peel, this episode, is what happened after the 1920 census. In that year's election, Republicans took control of the U.S. House of Representatives, the Senate, and the White House. And here's what they did with the 1920 census data. Here's a bit of a dramatic silence. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They did nothing with the 1920 census data. They totally ignored it. The Republican Majority Congress refused to reapportion the House based on the 1920 census. As a reminder, it's not like they really had a choice in the matter. Reapportionment was and is constitutionally mandated. So this was pretty egregious stuff. It was a gross violation of the Constitution. And other members of Congress didn't just accept this. Between 1921 and 1928, 42 reapportionment bills were introduced into the House of Representatives. All were defeated. Finally, in 1929, the Reapportionment Act was passed, but it would not take effect until after the 1932 election. So, what did this mean? What this meant is that throughout the 1920s, the number of each state's representatives in the House and the number of their electoral college votes and all federal and many state programs operated according to the old and outdated data from the 1910 census, which was the basis for the 1911 reapportionment. The continued use of the outdated 1911 reapportionment ensured a ridiculously lopsided Congress in the 1920s. For example, let me give you one. By 1929, a congressional district in Detroit, Michigan, was exploding with a population of 1.9 million people. In contrast, 10 congressional districts in Missouri had fewer than 180,000 people each. Less than 10% of the population of the Detroit Congressional District that I just told you about. It's no wonder that rural districts such as those in Missouri wanted to ignore the 1920 census because they could potentially lose House seats with a reapportionment that was based on the new and urban-heavy 1920 census. But this story can't be simply told sort of in the easy narrative of Democrat versus Republican or urban versus rural America. A map of the 1920 U.S. House election, which we've posted on our website, shows the complexity of American politics then. So the story has one more layer to it. It has to do with something 
big, very big, that happened before the 1920 census. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> it reeked of alcohol. The 18th Amendment that outlawed the manufacturing, selling, and transport of alcohol in America was ratified in January 1919, a year before the 1920 census. It was the Prohibition Amendment. And here's the thing. 6.2 million Europeans immigrated to the U.S. between 1900 and 1915. They ended up mostly living in big cities. And, and this is a big one, they were perceived to dominate the illegal drinking of alcohol and the illicit business of alcohol. Americans that favored prohibition, those who were called dries, alleged that 75% of all bootleggers were emigrants. And since these emigrants conveniently lived in big cities, the dry majority, which mostly lived in rural America, refused reapportionment because they feared that the 1920 census data counted too many city-dwelling, hard-drinking, bootlegging immigrants. By the way, those are their sentiments, not mine. So, this turned out to be a happy coincidence for the dry majority that this cultural and political struggle between the dries and the wets neatly aligned with city versus country and native versus emigrant. One senator from Alabama captured the conservative sentiment of the time. This is what he said. It's not fair that New York should cast four extra votes on important issues affecting the whole country because 1.6 million aliens happen to congregate there. Stay with me as we get into the perspective. The refusal of Congress in the 1920s to reapportion congressional seats after the 1920 census was a gross violation of the U.S. Constitution. It had not happened before, and it has not happened since. But what if it does? What if a majority party or a majority coalition of both parties resorts to some political or technical shenanigans to ignore a census? because the census, uh, particular census, may potentially undermine their majority hold on power. <laughs> Don't laugh, as if this sort of crazy stuff would never happen in our time. Come on, guys. The Capitol got sacked in January. Uh, a president is getting impeached for a second time. In fact, got impeached for a second time. In our modern time in history... Crazy seems to be the rule rather than the exception. And what's crazy is this. The same issues that were prevalent in the 1920s, <laughs> except for the issue of drinking, which, which, thank God, got resolved at the end of 1933 when the Prohibition Amendment was repealed. The very same issues continue to shape our political landscape today. For example, rural versus urban America, uh, emigrants uh, such as native-born Americans versus undocumented emigrants, and even sometimes native-born Americans versus legal immigrants. And the issue of immigrants and immigration is never going away. Uh, 
from Jamestown to Plymouth, America was, is, and forever will be the land of emigrants. So since emigration is here to stay, do you think we should reach a permanent solution for this prickly issue in our senses? Or do you think we should deal with it sort of, kind of, on a case-by-case basis every 10 years? What's your perspective? The beat and rhythm you've been hearing throughout this podcast and are hearing now is called The Success. It's by Keys of Moon Music. And the link and license for this music is provided in the descriptive text of this episode. By the way, the books that were consulted and researched for this episode are also listed there. Of course, uh, for citations to specific pages in those books, you're welcome to visit the post for this episode on our website, thepeel.news. Finally, as a reminder, we don't do news here at the peel.news. We peel the news for the history behind it. And our mission is not to provide a complete account and analysis of the past. Rather, is to highlight some issues and incidents in our history that may poke and prod your discerning minds into seeking some perspective for our current events. And if you disagree with our take on history, well then, Share your thoughts with me by leaving voice messages on this podcast or direct message me on Instagram at thepeel.news. I love to hear from you. I love to learn from you. Until next time, this is Adele with thepeel.news. Peel.news.